0: Welcome to the fourth day of Christmas. On the fourth day of Christmas, my true true love gave to me. Four calling birds,
1: three French hens, two turtle doves, and a partridge in a pear
0: tree. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome to the Monday edition of Truth to Ponder. I'm your host, Bob Bierman. So glad that you're with me in this final week of the year 2020. I know for many that are listening to this program today, you cannot wait for this year to come to an end. And I don't blame you. It has been it has been a challenging year, to say the least. I was thinking the other day, as I'm preparing to do these series of programs in this, the end of the year week. And I was thinking how the year started out. All the hopes and dreams and, and projects that I had in mind... That I thoroughly believed were extremely important and how many of those projects had to be left undone how many major changes occurred for all of us along the way a year ago at this time my wife and I we were at our home here in Georgia and we were planning to return to Florida shortly after the first of the year so last year was the first time we had celebrated Christmas in our little place up in the mountains. And we even got a a tree and the decorations and we decided just for us to have a a quiet Christmas together. And we did. And I can remember last year at Christmas time. Tree looked beautiful. Clear and cold outside and a fire in the fireplace and just listening to the Christmas music and thinking, thinking about how blessed we are with what God has given us. We're not wealthy, but we have been very blessed anyway. And, and I'm thinking about all the things that can be done, that need to be done going into the new year. I had several goals in mind, one of which we did make. The other one never did happen. We had a first goal was going to be in February. The church body, which I'm a part of, has their annual meeting. And we decided to hold it in February instead of holding it, you know, normally you do things like that later in the spring, maybe the summer. But we decided to have it a bit early because in our church group, the presiding bishop was going to retire from that position and he wanted somebody else to take over as soon as possible and we were getting together planning to get together in in february in saint augustine florida now there were a few people that really needed to make it to that particular meeting and i remember we would gotten back to florida in January, probably around the 10th, and I was doing some part-time work at WRMI in engineering and and getting ready for this this big event coming up toward the end of, uh, middle to the middle part of February. I can't even remember the exact date right now. And we were looking to get, I decided to have some coffee cups made. I've got one here in my office right now with our Church Bodies logo on it and even some golf shirts. They were not... I just felt that I wanted to have those for those that came and had everything ready to go for that trip. We were going to drive the three-hour drive from our house in Port St. Lucie in Florida up to St. Augustine. Everything was all set. I had a friend, a bishop from another church body, very similar to ours, extremely similar to ours, invited as my guest. And we had everything worked out, the airline tickets, the hotel, everything was set to go. The day before, we're all supposed to be heading out. There's some weather issues in parts of the country that, that are going to just destroy the ability of everybody to get in on time for this meeting. And remember, it's kind of hard to reschedule in Florida. Because of, you know, a lot of tourists are down there during the winter months of January, February, and into March. You know, getting hotels is not that easy. And so if you don't use the hotel, you're going to lose that hotel and you may not get another room. It's just how it works. And so we had all these wonderful plans laid out of how we're going to get together. And then I get the first phone call. That one of our people from Massachusetts, his flight is being canceled because of winter weather. Then somebody in Virginia, same same thing. And all of a sudden, the most important people that need to be at that meeting are not going to be able to be at that meeting. And so we had to just cancel at the last moment the entire get-together, the entire gathering. And our plan was to to reschedule maybe you know, sometime in April or May after Easter, and come down to St. Augustine, Be, be nice during the month of April, especially if you're from Massachusetts, you're going to get a nice dose of springtime. So, so far, so good. We were going to do that. Now, remember, I was also beginning to hear, as you were, this noise about a pandemic, that there was a virus out there that that was wreaking havoc in other parts of the world. And we had heard of a case or two in the United States, but but nobody was really overly concerned. But I had gotten a phone call because of my past work in emergency management. A man that I had worked with for a number of years called me up and said, Would you be willing to come out of retirement and help me in our response? Because we're getting, we're getting information that this virus could be really nasty and deadly and hospitals could be overwhelmed. And remember, when you go back to that time, this is right after we had postponed our, our meeting, our church body meeting. He's telling me that if this thing hits, we're going to have millions of people die before the month of May. And I'm going, you got to be kidding. He said, no, I'm not kidding. This could be that serious. That's the word we're getting from everybody that knows something about this. And so I talked to my wife, and I just wanted her to remain safe where she was at because we didn't know. And off I went, driving a few states away to help this individual in another state. And there I stayed for many weeks. Living in a hotel that was virtually empty, just a handful of us workers contracted people for this very large county. So I'm living in this hotel. I can remember when I drove up from Florida, I stopped by our place in Georgia. And I picked up all of my computer gear that's in the office that I'm recording this program in now, including the gear that I record this program with. It all came with me up to that hotel room because I was still producing a weekly radio show called Your Weekend Show at the time. And I'm also producing materials for radio stations and writing press releases and trying to, trying to take care of the public information side as best we could and also in, for internal consumption trying to document all the things we were doing to learn the things that work, to learn the things that don't. And so that was my job starting in the beginning of March. It happened really quick from the time that meeting was canceled. And, you know, nobody really thought about a pandemic in the world coming to a dead halt. Hard to believe that in three and a half weeks from the time we canceled that, we're already talking in our our division. We're getting the word of what's going to be happening in the next several days the 15 days to flatten the curve. We we were told about that in advance. People had let us know in advance, you know, that this is what we were all going to do. And so we had to prepare things at county and city levels with with ordinances and at the state level, all the things that needed to be done to set everything into motion. And we started hearing that term, essential and non-essential businesses, what could be open, what could be closed, what had to be closed, restaurants doing takeout, you know, everything we've seen. This is what I went through in those first days in my work. And I can remember wondering even back then, does this even make any sense? Is this virus all that deadly? Where did it come from? You. We heard all the stories. You try to tell anybody on Facebook that this virus came out of a, a laboratory in Wuhan, and Facebook will shut you down. They don't want you to say that. That is not the truth that they want you to believe. They're still holding on to the fabrication that this just happened naturally in the wild with a bat somewhere from 300 miles away that got into some meat market, wet market, whatever you want to call it in Wuhan, and, and it just jumped from species to people and then started infecting people. And before you knew it, you had this worldwide pandemic on your hand. I don't believe any of it. That story is a fabrication. And I say this I say this from the things that I was learning and reading and seeing day to day in the work that I was doing back in March and April and following how things were going all the way into May and stayed online, even though I left that state and worked from home after, for a while longer, and looking at the information and the data that was coming out. And there were some things floating around that you could find. And you still can find them if you're willing to take a few minutes and look for them. And these are not at some oddball website operated by, you know, keepers of odd knowledge. These are legitimate websites for people in the medical profession. And and what's amazing is... You read a few of these reports that go back years from these studies of similar viruses. And then you start following the money and the pathway and, and how things and, and, and certain names keep popping up. You go back to 2003, 2004. There was a very similar virus to this, sars cov It wasn't COVID-2. It was just sars cov and they, it was a deadly virus it didn't kill everybody, but it had a, you know, a number a significant percentage of people that got it died. And the difference in 2003, 2004, this virus too, came to us from China. But the Chinese then were vastly more forthcoming than they were this time and early on the world was notified that we have this virus it makes people very sick with the symptoms just like the ones we have today for the SARS COVID virus COVID-19 and things were done to minimize that spread so it wouldn't it could be contained into places and regions Yeah, 30-some-odd thousand people died over that period of time with these little tiny outbreaks here and there. What is interesting to know is the research done on that virus after 2003 and after 2004. You may not know this. This may be news to some of you. I know it isn't for all of you. A virus is not a living organism, let me say that again, a virus is not a living organism. It's not it, 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 It's not alive. What a virus actually is are some DNA type strands that are surrounded by a fatty tissue with protein spikes that can latch onto other cells. And what happens is when one of these virus particles or a intact virus, Attaches to a cell in your lungs, for example. It gets into that cell and then replicates itself. And then more viruses, just like it, are popped out of that living cell. And what you see when people have the flu or any other virus, it's the body's response to the virus that becomes deadly for many. Especially if you are compromised. Especially if you have breathing issues to begin with. It is a big deal. And so we started getting into learning about this virus, and I started finding this material. This virus apparently, for a long time, was being studied in the United States, but some of our laws changed, and doing what's called gain-of-function work on a virus became illegal in the United States. Gain of function means how to make it more um, contagious or more deadly or both, and those studies were stopped in the United States. And so, apparently, as I read, this virus found its way, found its way to Canada, where some more studies continued, and then eventually. This virus and all the research, and that's when you start to see certain names we got really familiar with at press conferences starting in March, April, and May on a regular basis, the Coronavirus virus Task Force. A lot of money, millions of dollars, and that virus ended up in a Level 4 lab in China. It just happens to be in the city of Wuhan where that's research continued. This is where I can't tell you the rest of the story. And let me tell you what I mean by that. I can't tell you with any kind of certainty what happened beyond that. It is safe to assume, knowing China, the actor in this world today, it is safe to completely assume they were doing studies on this virus, and they were doing gain-of-function work. Whether this virus was released intentionally sometime in the latter part of 2019, or whether it was an accident that China tried to cover up from the world but was unable to contain because it had gotten farther away than they ever assumed, it tells a, tells a tale. We really don't know fully how the Chinese responded to this particular virus and what steps that they took. We were led to believe, and CNN was buying this hook, line, and sinker, that the Chinese had contained it and they were having extremely low death numbers and doing wonderful things with it and it was only places like the northern part of Italy and the United Kingdom and then the United States that were the real trouble areas. You know China was doing great. They didn't have that many people die at all out of their population. And so they tell everybody. But you want to know something? In the line of work that I was doing, I was seeing I was seeing some reports that are getting out that were very troubling. These are reports they couldn't fully confirm, but these are what you may call intel getting out in the community to kind of put us on notice that maybe this virus is more serious than the Chinese are telling us. This is back end of February, early March, as we're beginning to see the first cases and the first handful of people die around the United States, where one or two people dying in the state was news. We were hearing stories about infected people being taken from their homes in body bags, alive, and then burned to death, being cremated, the very sick and elderly, just literally pumped with something to keep them calm, and then burned. whether that is fully true i don't know but it was out there in the community and the things that i could see and it was quite disturbing if that is true we also were told by the imperial college of london that to expect three and million dead or something like that and maybe two and a half million by may now remember this is by the month of may forget going beyond Our county prepared, where I was working at, for 3,000 people to be gone by the time we got into May, no later than the 1st of June. It would be an acceleration, and we would have to find enormous amounts of temporary hospital and morgue space to deal with a crushing blow. And that's why we started the 15 days to flatten the curve. You know, even from my perspective, it seemed, okay, this doesn't sound too awfully bad if what they're saying is true. Honestly, I don't know now as I look back, did they even think this one through at all? We shut everything down except drive through windows for takeout, grocery stores, liquor stores. Surgeries, they were stopped because no one was going to have any real surgeries. A lot of medical exams postponed or or done teleconference. There's no telling how many people died because of untreated illness because of the 15 days that became 300 days or whatever. 280, I can't remember. I can't even keep track. We're coming up on close to 300 days to flatten this curve. And we play games back and forth in these various states. Some states shut down hard, some states not as much. You want to know something when you look at it? The evidence is not there that any of this really worked. There is so much conflicting information that was put out there. When you look at Dr. Fauci's information, it it changed every week. The story, the way things should be handled, has consistently changed over time. There's never been, he's never been right yet, but he's going to be in charge of it come January 20th. If a new president is inaugurated and the steal is complete and Joe Biden takes the helm or whoever's actually the puppet master to Mr. Biden, I don't think he's capable any longer of doing anything on his own what will be the world like what is the story on this virus and vaccines there's a lot to this story that, that just doesn't have oh doesn't have a good feeling to it at all and why do i say that cuz i worked in this business and I'm on the front lines. And I can remember we were getting into May. I'm going to tell you, the money was good. coming. I mean, it was really good. It was a great help to my wife and I financially in taking care of some things we needed to take care of at the time. I mean, this couldn't have, hate to say it, but this couldn't have come at a better time for things that we needed to get done. And so that, those many weeks that I'm away and working were very profitable. I look back now and I look at all the things that we did. I can remember working with this one college that and producing some some video material. They were training people to be ambulance drivers that had never been an ambulance driver before because there was going to be a need for this because they were they were just believing That one by one, the drivers were going to get sick. You might have a paramedic but not a driver and the assisting hands. And so we're training people because we're believing that we're going to have most of our staff dropping like flies, maybe dying. And we're going to be needing people to transport all these COVID patients to emergency rooms. It never materialized the way we were told it would. It never was as bad as we were told it would be. And this was with all the social distancing and all the things we're being told to do. And what we've done, and I've shared this audio bit. I'm not going to do it today. But I share that audio of Dr. Fauci saying, no, nobody needs a face mask. It's not how you fight a pandemic. That's not the way to do it. No, 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 no. Well, maybe it's patriotic. Well, maybe well, maybe it it'll protect somebody else from your droplets. I mean, it, it just kept shifting over time. And now this some kind of, you know, face covering bandana is going to be the salvation of the world. If we all just wear a face covering, we'll be fine. And then we were told about What the world will need is a vaccine. We'll get it by 2022, maybe 2023. You Remember, you just go back three, four months ago. No way there'll be a vaccine ready. No, 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 it can't happen. And then it did. Now, we'll talk about the vaccine, and my opinion, about it on another program. Um, I'm not a great fan of it. I'll put it that way. And I do not anticipate myself ever getting it. I believe that's true for many of you that are listening. And there's a lot of legitimate reasons why many of us should never consider taking such a vaccine. But getting back to the changing narrative from March to April, April to May, May to June, June to July. The mainstream media jumping on the bandwagon because they are convinced it'll take out Trump. So we got to do that. Well, we don't care how many people commit suicide from depression. We don't care how many businesses go totally bankrupt. We don't care how many people lose their cars or their homes or where they're living. We don't care about the long-term mental health effects on school children. All we cared about was getting rid of Trump. That That was the mandate. And I believe it was China's mandate as well. We'll be going to a break in a moment, but I want to stop in just a second on on a few thoughts. When Trump was elected back in 2016, from the day he came down that escalator in 2015, everybody laughed that this was a sideshow. This is not real. He's not really running to run. And then when he became the nominee, people were saying, oh, he's not going to, he doesn't want to win. He was just doing this for a publicity stunt. And on and on and on and on it went. You heard it. I heard it. Besides, the Democrat Party of the time, I am convinced, thought they had this thing in the bag. They thought they had just enough extra votes stacked up in Pennsylvania, Michigan, Michigan and a few other locations to make sure that Hillary Clinton would win they had this massive fireworks display ready very expensive fireworks display for that election night when she'd be coronated the new Queen of America they really they really had it made they were really convinced beyond the shadow of a doubt that there was no way that we're going to lose this thing. Every newspaper, every major online publication, every television network outside of just maybe one or two, it's a 99% chance of a surety that she'll have an electoral college landslide. Over 300, over 320. Don't even bother to vote. Because Trump can't win. He won't even win Florida. He definitely won't win Ohio. Pennsylvania, forget it. Michigan, not a chance. Wisconsin, ain't happening. Hillary was going to take Florida. North Carolina. North Carolina is one of those states where most of it's red, but a few big cities. Charlotte, Raleigh-Durham region, and a little bit by the coast, and the city of Asheville, very, very blue— But the majority is not. Just happen to know that state. But they thought that they could squeak that one out. That would be just a bonus. And you'd watch all these prognosticators on television going, the Hillary path to victory, it's certain. And here's the many ways she's going to win. And she might even clean and sweep the whole table. And and add Pennsylvania and, and Ohio and Michigan and Wisconsin. Arizona, All of them. She'd get them all. You remember what happened that night. Going into this night, where do we stand?
1: This is where we stood coming into the night. 268 to 204, so clearly an advantage for Secretary Clinton. Take a look here. If Donald Trump wins tonight, no matter who they voted for, take a look at these numbers here. 21% 21% say they'll be concerned, 37% say they'll be scared. This is what both candidates want. They want to be living there starting January
0: 20th of next year. Uh, Florida has been going back and forth, back and forth. Get just changed here. again. It's only 11,000 vote lead just now. It changed.
1: Math on your feet. I like this. The
0: Empire State Building in New York City. Take a look at our running tally the electoral vote. Anderson, this night, is turning out to be a real nail-biter.
1: All along, the Trump convention has been saying that Florida's must win for them
0: and I mean it can't win without it Donald Trump will carry
1: the state of Florida
0: you know I'm I'm guessing that the people in Brooklyn they're probably there I can see their fingers uh, yeah fingers probably bleeding because there's no more nail to bite Uh,
1: there are I wouldn't call anything encouraging for Hillary Clinton at the moment to be honest with you my friend
0: Wolf the scene here is so different than it was a few hours ago when people were happy and relaxed I have been looking around the room at people who are stone-faced some of them have been crying
1: this was a white lash against a changing country it was a white lash against a black president
0: this is the people rising up saying
1: it's time to listen to us it's time to listen to us in Michigan and Wisconsin and work for the people Hillary Clinton has called Donald Trump to concede the race
0: ever wonder why Hillary Clinton was so stunned by the outcome it's because she was convinced the party was convinced the media was convinced the powers that be were convinced they had done everything they needed to do and I think even cheating back then but they didn't cheat quite enough and they were a bit surprised with the outcome so what happened well a disruptor became the commander-in-chief in 2017 we heard he's not my president He's an illegitimate president, and they tried to impeach him from the very day that he was sworn into office. This was not the New World Order candidate that they planned for. He was a total disruptor of all the things that they had planned for. This was going to be Hillary extending the Obama presidency another, another eight years Sixteen years of, of the policies that gave us high unemployment, a low growth rate, and a low standing in the world. All the plans of the globalist were tossed into the trash bin. That's why they fought so hard. We'll be right back. This is Truth to Ponder. With Bob Bierman. The mystery of the
1: Shana. Shalom Aleichem. This is the nice Jewish boy, Jonathan Kahn, your Jewish connection. And get your pen out so you don't miss a special free gift in a moment. Now, are you wondering what kind of year it's going to be for you? Well, the answer is hidden in an ancient Hebrew word. The Hebrew word for year is Shana. But the word shanah comes from the Hebrew for the number two. So the word year in Hebrew really means the second time around, the repetition, the repeat. Because each year is like a repeat of the year before, the days and the seasons. So often we live our lives just in that way. Each year is pretty much a repeat. We continue to do the same things, make the same mistakes, the same stumblings, the same habits, the same fears. The same things we do that we know we shouldn't do. The same things we want to do. The changes we should make, we never do. And so we don't go anywhere. Just a shana, a repetition. But the word shana also means new. The second chance. So each shana, each year is given to you as a chance for newness in your life. Not to make the same mistake. Not to fall in the same stumblings. Not continue in the same habits and fears. A new beginning. To do the things we never do but should do. To make the changes we know we should make. So The Shana, the year, means a repeat or something new, a second chance for something new. So it's up to you to choose which one it's going to be for you. In the power of God, he wants this coming Shana, this year, to be something new and different. It's given to you as something brand new for brand new things, for overcoming and for victory. Because in the new birth, in Messiah, all things will become new for you. But you need courage to break out of the repetition and walk into the newness of new life. Want more? Ask for the Shana. Now the free gift for you. The mystery hidden for 2,000 years in the sands of Israel. Better than Raiders of the Lost Ark and it's real. The mystery of the temple doors. You'll love it. And sapphires, your daily spiritual vitamin supply for victorious life in God. How do you get all these free gifts? Easy. Just remember Jesus' Hebrew name Yeshua and dial it. That's it. That's all you do. Just dial 1-800-YESHUA-1 and you'll be blessed. But call now. 1-800-YESHUA-1. I invite you to minister with me and bring the good news back to the people who gave it to you, Israel and the unreached peoples of every tribe and tongue on five continents. You'll be blessed. Just call now. 1-800-YESHUA-1. That's Y-E-S-H-U-A-1. Or write me direct. The Nice Jewish Boy at Box 1111 in Lodi, L O D I, New Jersey, Zip 07644. It's a nice Jewish boy, it's Box 1111. It's in Lodi, L O D I, New Jersey, and the Zip is 07644. Well, until next time, this is Jonathan Kahn saying, Shalom Alechem, peace be to you, my friend, in Messiah Ravinu, our teacher.
0: with Bob Bierman. And welcome back to part two of the Monday edition of Truth to Ponder. And you're listening going, okay, so what's with the uh, Christmas music in the background? I thought Christmas was, you know, done last Friday. Well, the truth is, there are 12 days of Christmas that begin on Christmas Day. We have just fallen into allowing retail to tell us how to celebrate this most blessed day in the church year. Telling us that Christmas ends as soon as the gifts are open and we need to get back to getting ready for the end of the year sales and moving on to bigger and better things. Christmas, it begins on December the 25th. And it ends on January the 6th, which is also known as the Day of Epiphany. But a lot of people don't understand that. I mean, on Saturday, the 26th, people were already dragging their dried-out Christmas trees to the the road because they bought them so early in November. And in a way, I, I can't blame some people, at least this year, for wanting to celebrate early because it's been a really rough year. But here on Truth to Ponder, we are going to go through the 12 days of Christmas and keep you up to date on how how I believe it should be celebrated. 12 days to remember the birth of our Savior, and we have the Sundays before the season of Advent to, to remember why we celebrate this very special time of the year want to pass along a few things today on this uh, second half. Some of the things that are going on behind the scenes here at Truth to Ponder. And a couple of news stories that just kind of remind you of the terrible position we are in in this world and country today. Behind the scenes. As many of you know, we've been doing this program now since the last day, that's the 31st of August. So really, we've been on the air for the month of September, October, November, and now we are almost running out this week. On Thursday is going to be New Year's Eve. We will have finished four months of doing this program Monday through Friday. Hope to have some guests on maybe tomorrow and Wednesday and possibly even Thursday. And then we'll kind of do a year in review look back and look forward, maybe on Friday. haven't quite put it all together yet. This has been an unusual undertaking for me. I've shared the story that during the time that I was working in emergency management earlier this year, in the beginning of this pandemic, I had some very strange feelings about what was going on, that we're not being told everything fully and truthfully as I think we should have been. And I I talked about it on the weekend program several times with episodes entitled The Politics of a Pandemic. So much of what has occurred has not been helpful, but it's been very political. Now, with that said, do I believe the virus is dangerous and contagious? Yes, I do. I truly do. But I don't believe for a moment it is as deadly as they try to make it out. Remember in the beginning, it was going to be 3 million dead or more by May, June, somewhere in there. That varied a little bit. Maybe some said it could be as late as July. Another said, man, we're going to just have them dropping. There were videos that came out. I saw these videos. End of February into March. And these were supposedly just random videos taken by people in China of people walking and collapsing and dying in the streets. Did you remember, remember seeing those? I do. I remember them like they were yesterday and the fear being driven up in people's hearts and minds that my Lord, this is such a disease. It, it, it grabs somebody that's only like 29 years old and they're walking down the street and then they can't breathe and they're collapsing and dying of this virus in the streets. We were beginning to see those kind of videos. We saw, we were told it was a New York City hospital, but it wasn't. It was actually one in a rural area in Italy, woefully unprepared with their, well, with their medical establishment. Let's put it that way. Woefully unprepared. And you see these busy emergency rooms and critical care rooms with everybody running around with their face shields and their hazmat suits dealing with these patients and we were being told that all these hospitals in New York were just being super overwhelmed and they weren't now early on because of some of the mistakes made in the five boroughs of New York they had a substantially high death count that could have been avoided Governor Cuomo never likes to talk about that aspect of his Governorship. He completely believes the narcissist that he is, that he did the best job of anybody in the world on the coronavirus. And he's convinced that he's still doing the best job in the world. He wrote a whole book on what a great job I did. And he's the guy, he's the guy that I remember so vividly making statements like, God did not do this, prayer had nothing to do with it, faith. had nothing to do with it we did it pointing to himself we did this we bought the number of people dying down totally dismissing anybody's prayers for the people of New York the narcissist that he is he really believes that I don't think he really believes there's a God I don't think his brother who you see on CNN believes truly they're both cultural Catholics Probably go to an occasional baptism, confirmation, first communion, and last rites. Maybe a wedding or two and a funeral. But are they believers in in Jesus Christ? I I can't say yes or no, but I will say I I don't see the evidence in the way they act, in the things that they say, and the things they do. As the Bible says, you know them by their fruits. And I don't see any evidence. I don't. And these are the people that are in leadership in this country. They're the ones that are saying, shut the churches down, but leave the strip clubs open. They don't make any sense. So much of what we've done during this pandemic does not make any logical sense. Think about it. Fifteen days to flatten the curve. We're now like a day almost 300 How about that? Have we flattened that curve? And then it became, well, we need to slow the spread. It saves lives, does it? Let me give you an analysis that we got early on in the planning stages from people that understood better than Fauci could ever hope to understand. Fauci plays politics, not as so much medical science. He's more of a politician. He has been in the same job longer than Joe Biden has been in Washington, D.C. He has been at that same place, the National Institute of Health. He's been there from before the days of AIDS. Fifty years he has been there. He doesn't treat patients. He's a bureaucrat. He pushes paper and policy more than anything else. And so when you're looking at this guy as a doctor, I'm sure that he keeps up with certain things, but I, I don't see him on the front line treating patients, yet he will argue with anybody on the front line who successfully were treating patients back in April and May, and they were living and not dying and recuperating faster. And he would, he'd he be saying, well, they're all wrong. Well, what is your solution? Lockdowns and wait for a vaccine. That's all he ever had to offer. More lockdowns, more restrictions. The Grinch that stole Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's. All because we totally blew our response to COVID-19 in this country. Absolutely didn't do it right. I can remember reading material. Remember, I did a lot of reading and research because I had to work in getting a message out to the public in the county that I was serving for those months. And I wanted to have a cohesive and understandable message. But even I was beginning to wonder about some of the things that I was being asked to say. My heart kept saying, there's something wrong with this. It doesn't make any sense. Sweden took an approach that a lot of people just laughed at. Thought was ridiculous. They're going to kill everybody in Sweden. They didn't do the massive lockdowns. They didn't do the forced shutting down of businesses. They, did, they, didn't, they didn't shut down their schools or any of it. People were given the tools to how to best respond. How to take care of themselves. How to avoid certain situations if you are vulnerable or it would be a more difficult time if you have this disease. Look, I know, I'm trying to think now, in my mind, within family and immediate close friends, I know of several people, one, two, three, four, that have gone through this virus. Some had it rougher than others. The two that had it the roughest had asthma and also type A blood. The ones that had it much easier had old blood. And... One of those people was pushing 80 and did well. So some of the fear that has been pushed out there, there's been a lot of fear being sold to the public. They didn't do that in Sweden, and they said, oh, they're going to have a lot of people die. Well, Sweden did make a couple of mistakes. They didn't isolate the elderly as quickly as they should have, and they did have, sadly, probably more people that may have been able to live longer. But over time, I keep looking at their numbers. And they are doing so much better than most other places are now overall. Is it rising like it's rising in terms of case numbers? Yeah. Are they really true cases? Maybe. Some maybe not. Hospitalizations, they're not out of sight. You know, I read a news story that came out of Canada in 2018. And it was talking about how bad the flu was and they were having to postpone non-essential surgeries or any, you know, elective things for, for weeks and months ahead because the flu was so bad the hospitals were getting full and staff was coming down with the flu. This year we don't even have the flu in the United States. It's like non-existent. But we have covid and for many, it's not easy. And for some, it just is a bad cold or just a common cold. It runs the gambit. You have people living in utter fear, doing things they think make sense, but they don't. Back in October, I had to travel. And I traveled to Virginia via Washington, D.C., I flew. Flew from Greenville, South Carolina, to D.C., and then from D.C. to Charlottesville, Virginia. And I had to wear my face covering when I was inside the airport. And and what seemed ridiculous, especially in Washington, D.C., we're waiting for our flight to go to Charlottesville. And this I'll never forget this as long as I live. Had about an hour and a half layover, so I needed to find something to eat so I, I can take off my face covering while I'm eating and put it back on as I'm, you know, heading toward uh, my gate area and we're all having to social distance. We can't sit next to each other or anywhere near anybody waiting to get on the aircraft. And then they started calling as they do the rows to get on the plane. And I'm like, you know, I'm in row 12 or whatever it was. Not a very big jet. And they would call like rows, you know, 30 to 25, please come forward and and please keep social distancing of 6 feet. And they have these people walking down the line, making sure you're keeping six feet away from the person in front of you uh, and the person behind you in the line. Are you following me so far? We are being called to get on a small jet airliner. And you have people saying, please maintain six feet. Please maintain six feet. Please maintain six feet. Then we walk out. On the tarmac, and there are two more people. They got their little orange vest and and they got their little lighted things in their hand, going keep six feet apart. They're keeping us six feet apart as we're walking toward the aircraft. And then one by one we go up the little steps to get on it. Not many, and you get in there, and the gal waiting for you with a face covering, United Airlines hands you a little, you know, uh, hand sanitizer. And then you go sit down. And a few minutes later, another guy sat down right next to me, shoulder to shoulder. In other words, we had to be, this is what doesn't make any sense. We had to be six feet apart to get on the stupid aircraft. But for the next hour, hour and a half, wherever we were going, like flying to Greenville or to D.C., you know, there we are shoulder to shoulder in each other's faces. You get people that get on aircraft. People will see somebody not wearing a face covering in a store, and they go after them, just getting livid and angry and mad. Put your face mask on. You're going to kill somebody. And yet, we hear they're supposed to work, but there's no concrete evidence, just evidence where people think. Because, you know, there is... there is studies that have been done for the last 45 years on cloth and paper and and all these kind of face coverings and how they work and how they don't. And there really is no science out there. We're told it's all about the science. It's all about the science that that fits a political narrative, no more, no less. And so this is what birthed this radio program. Not just that I'm going to spend the rest of my life talking about this virus. It's got a lot of other things to talk about. The global reset that we're heading toward. How churches are being singled out as super spreaders when they're not. To date, as of the time I'm recording this program, a few days before airtime, still nobody's been attached that died uh, from the virus with Grace Community Church in California and their 7,000 people on a Sunday. Still, nobody's died. Still, no real infections have been noted. None that come from there. So, I think maybe that's a myth. Is this infectious? Yes. How long is this going to continue to go on? I don't know. Have the things we've been doing making it better or worse? You know, my gut reaction is telling me, and I, I just this is just from total observation. Total observation on my part. I am beginning to really believe that much of what we have done has been counterproductive and really hasn't helped. It has just extended the time of the misery as it was designed to do to get us confused into this election. Listen, who gains from this being a, a vicious virus? Who gains? China's a big gainer on this one. China had been eating everybody's lunch unfairly for decades. When you have Nike shoes being made for pennies in China, being sold for big bucks in America, we can't compete with slave labor. You can't do it. China is determined to be the world's superpower. They will do whatever it takes including altering the DNA of their armed forces to make them bigger and stronger. Yes, it's going on. That is in the regular news. We are going to have our lunch eaten by China if Joe Biden becomes the president on the 20th of January. That you can be assured of. Absolutely assured of. How this will all play out? is anybody's guess I've seen all the prognostications the guesses and everything else that people have and they've been wrong too many of the times too much of the time we will see how things play out suddenly the cases are going up in the cold weather and now they're mutating viruses and you know now we have vaccines and, and you know it's funny We have the vaccine and we're told, yeah, but we still will have to wear the face coverings and social distance another year or two. What in the world is going on? There's too much politics at play with this virus to make it even believable to me anymore. Yes, I know people that have had this and I know how many have recovered. People that you would think would not recover have. And they've done fine. We've learned a lot more yet we act like it's going to kill 3 million. And also, I'll add this, we'll probably talk about this later this week, I don't believe that everybody that is supposed to have died from COVID really died of COVID. I just don't see it. People are trying to say, oh, we got all these excessive deaths. I'm not seeing these kind of numbers. I've been doing, there's a little bit of conflict out there and I'm going to dig deeper and, and try to get some accurate information to you as soon as I can. I will tell you, changing gears as we come out of this program for today. Shortwave has been wonderful for this program, and I'm going to keep on keeping on. Uh, We are on WRMI currently. A couple of airings or more a day, Monday through Friday, and I think a couple on the weekend, and we're beginning to get more response. I really need to hear about Shortwave. We're going to try another station for a while and see how it works out for us. Right now, we're getting ready to mail out some substantial checks, and most of this is coming out of our pocket, not yours. Uh, I want to thank those that have supported this ministry to date, uh, but it, and, and everything you have sent is helpful to keep us on the air, on shortwave. It is critical. It is urgent. I'm also looking at better ways to distribute this on the internet for the time being and get away from some of the big companies and tech tyrants. I, I, I don't trust them and I'm looking at some options that would even have a private app to hear this program on demand and a few other resources as well. Pray about that. that is, that's coming probably sometime before February, God willing. If you want to support this ministry and help me keep this on the air and add one more station to cover parts of the country we are not covering currently our mailing address in Georgia is 21 Berkshire Lane number 263 that's 21 Berkshire Lane number 263 that number 263 is kind of important we've got this wonderful gal that does the mail up here and they have a little kind of post office thing and they give everybody up here a box for regular mail And uh, so they like that. It makes it easier on her. 21 Berkshire is our physical address, but the box makes it easier for them to get the mail to us. So don't forget that. 21 Berkshire Lane, number 263, Sky Valley, Georgia, 30537. That zip code again, 30537. And if you want to make a contribution, just make the check out to Ancient Word Radio. And uh, that's... That's what I'm using as the parent of this program, Ancient Word Radio. And and look for a, a new app coming that will include this program very, very soon. And I think it's on the current app now. You can look for that if you have an, an Android phone. Listen, we're out of time. We will be back tomorrow with another edition of the program. I want to thank all of you that have supported us. It makes a difference. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman.